This audio lecture is based entirely upon the casebook Sales and Leases, a problem-based approach by Scott J. Burnham and Kristen Juris. The casebook is published by Callie E. Langdell Press and licensed Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International. That means that the authors have allowed everyone to copy and redistribute the material in any medium or format and remix, transform, and build upon the material as long as users give appropriate credit. Don't use the material for commercial purposes and redistribute contributions under the same license. Much thanks is due to the authors for writing this book and providing it to everyone for free. In furtherance of this spirit and in compliance with the original license, I also license this audio lecture as Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Contracts Lectures. This is lecture number five, Warranties Implied by Law. So first, an introduction to warranties. What is a warranty? Black's Law Dictionary includes the following definition in a commercial context. Quote, an assurance or guarantee either express in the form of a statement by the seller of goods or implied by law, having reference to and ensuring the character, quality, or fitness of purpose of the goods. End quote. When a buyer purchases goods from the seller, the buyer generally has certain expectations about the goods he or she is purchasing. Absent an agreement to the contrary, the buyer will expect that the seller is transferring ownership of the goods, that no other party has a rightful claim to the goods, that the goods do not infringe the rights of any third party, and that the goods meet certain standards of quality. Each of these expectations is specifically addressed by one or more provisions of Article 2. In the following lectures, we will consider warranties that arise or are implied by operation of law and express warranties. Warranty liability is a kind of strict liability. If the goods do not conform to the warranties made, either express or implied, the seller is liable regardless of fault. The buyer need only prove that the goods did not conform to the warranty. This concept was described in Vlasis versus Montgomery Ward and Company, Inc., a case in which the buyer of diseased chickens sued to recover for the breach of the implied warranty of merchantability. Stating, quote, 
The entire purpose behind the implied warranty sections of the code is to hold the seller responsible when inferior goods are passed along to the unsuspecting buyer. What the code requires is not evidence that the defects could or should have been uncovered by the seller, but only that the goods upon delivery were not of merchantable quality. If those requisite proofs are established, the only exculpatory relief afforded by the code is a showing that the implied warranties were modified or excluded. Lack of skill or foresight on the part of the seller in discovering the product's flaw was never meant to bar liability. The gravamen here is not so much with what precautions were taken by the seller, but rather with the quality of the goods contracted for by the seller. End quote. It is not surprising that sellers and buyers often have different interests and expectations with respect to the warranties made by a seller of goods and the remedies available to buyers when the goods do not conform to those warranties. We will discuss the default rules, the warranties that are given in the absence of limitation or disclaimer, and consider the ways that a seller may limit or disclaim those warranties. Now moving to warranties of title. Under section 2-312, with every contract for sale of a good, the seller, whether merchant or non-merchant, warrants that the title conveyed is good, and the transfer is rightful. This warranty applies regardless of whether or not the seller had actual knowledge of a title problem. For example, even if the seller is unaware that a watch he purchased from a friend is stolen, the seller will nonetheless breach this warranty of title when he subsequently sells the stolen watch. And the goods are delivered free from any security interest or other lien, except for those security interests or liens known by the buyer at the time of contracting. In order to fall into this exception, the buyer must have actual knowledge of a lien or other encumbrance at the time of contracting. The seller cannot argue that the buyer should have known. For example, where a security interest had been perfected by the filing of a UCC financing statement, but the buyer did not have actual knowledge of it. The seller breached this warranty, even though the buyer could have and probably should have done a lien search. And warranty against infringement. Section 2-3123 adds an additional warranty that the goods shall be delivered free of the rightful claim of any third person by way of infringement or the like. Official comment 3 indicates that this warranty relates to intellectual property infringement claims. Note that this warranty is given only by merchants dealing in goods of the kind. Suppose, for example, that you bought an iPhone from a store. 
then a patent infringement case is brought against Apple. If the plaintiff obtains an injunction that prevents Apple from using the technology and causes your iPhone not to work, you would have a claim for breach of this warranty. Note that according to the statute, the claim for breach is against the seller, in this case, the store, who is, of course, an innocent party. If a buyer provides specifications to the seller, the buyer must hold the seller harmless against any infringement claim that arises out of compliance with the specifications. Official Comment 3 states, quote, There is, under such circumstances, a tacit representation on the part of the buyer that the seller will be safe in manufacturing according to the specifications, and the buyer is under an obligation in good faith to indemnify him for any loss suffered. End quote. Moving to the implied warranty of merchantability. There are two implied warranties of quality that arise by operation of law. That is the implied warranty of merchantability and the implied warranty of fitness for a particular purpose. By far the most important warranty implied by operation of law is the warranty of merchantability. Note that the warranty is not only given only by a merchant seller, but only by a merchant with respect to goods of that kind. And merchantability standards. In order to comply with the warranty of merchantability, the goods sold must, at a minimum, be all six of the standards set forth at UCC Section 2-3142 to the extent those standards apply. For example, the standard requiring a good to conform to an affirmation of fact on a label would not apply if there is no label. So the goods must, A, pass without objection in the trade under the contract description. B, in the case of fungible goods, such as wheat in a bin, be of fair average quality within the description. C, be fit for the ordinary purpose for which such goods are used. D, run within the variations permitted by the agreement, including any standards allowed by usage of trade, of even kind, quality, and quantity within each unit and among all units involved. E. Be adequately contained, packaged, and labeled as the agreement may require. And F. Conform to the promise or affirmations of fact made on the container or label, if any. Note these are minimum standards. Additional or higher standards can be established by usage of trade or course of dealing. The price paid by a consumer may establish a higher standard of merchantability. 
see the last sentence of comment 7 to section 2-314, which states, In cases of doubt as to what quality is intended, the price at which a merchant closes a contract is an excellent index of the nature and scope of his obligation under the present section. For example, a purchaser will expect longer wear and higher quality from a $1,000 coat versus a $100 coat. A breach of either the implied warranty of merchantability or the implied warranty of fitness for a particular purpose occurs at the time of sale. However, how long a particular good should last is a component of the standard of merchantability. If a particular model of toaster would be objectionable in the trade if it did not work for at least three years, a purchaser can show that the warranty of merchantability was breached at the time of sale if the seller sells a toaster that works only six months. Now moving to merchantability of used goods. The implied warranty of merchantability applies to the sale of used goods by a merchant who sells goods of that kind. However, the standard of merchantability will be less for used goods than for new goods. Even among used goods, a newer or more expensive used good will have different standards than older, less expensive used goods. As expressed by the court in Dale versus King Lincoln Mercury, stating, quote, A late model, low mileage car, sold at a premium price, is expected to be in far better condition and to last longer than an old, high mileage, rough car that is sold for little above scrap value. End quote. Nonetheless, a used car in order to be merchantable, must be fit for its ordinary purpose of driving, that is, be in reasonably safe condition and operable. Special Standards for Merchantability for Food Is the warranty of merchantability breached when a restaurant patron has ordered a bowl of fish chowder and is seriously injured by a fish bone? Or a patron breaks a tooth on a cherry pit in a cherry pie. How about a patron who breaks a tooth on a bolt contained in an order of mashed potatoes? The early line of cases distinguished between natural substances and foreign substances, but today a majority of courts apply a reasonable expectations test, which considers whether the consumer reasonably should have expected to find the injury-causing substance in the object, whether natural or foreign. And merchantability of inherently dangerous goods. Goods that are inherently dangerous, such as knives, are nonetheless merchantable as long as they are fit for the ordinary purpose for which they are used and otherwise meet the standards of UCC Section 2-314. If a hunter injures herself, when the handle of a knife falls off while she is using it, she may successfully assert a breach of implied warranty of merchantability. 
Let's talk about the overlap between tort law and contract law as they apply to inherently dangerous goods. When the UCC was promulgated in the 1950s, the law of strict liability in tort was developing. In 1964, the American Law Institute adopted the influential Section 402A of the Restatement Second of Torts, which imposes strict liability on sellers of defective goods that are inherently dangerous. In order to be unreasonably dangerous, a good must be dangerous to an extent beyond that which would be contemplated by the ordinary consumer who purchases it. Frequently, customers who are injured by a good will bring a contractual breach of warranty claim as well as negligence and or strict liability claims under tort law. Recall that a breach of warranty claim is akin to a strict liability claim in that a showing of fault or negligence is not required in order to prevail. Is a claim for the breach of the implied warranty of merchantability identical to a strict liability claim in tort? This question was certified by the Second Circuit Court of Appeals to the highest court of New York in a case in which the plaintiff sustained injuries resulting from the rollover of her Ford Bronco when she slammed on the brakes to avoid a deer. The jury had determined that the Ford Bronco was not defective because its narrow track width and high center of gravity were necessary to the vehicle's off-road capabilities, and thus Ford was not liable on plaintiff's strict liability tort claim. However, the jury found that Ford was liable for breach of the implied warranty of merchantability because the Bronco was not fit for its ordinary purpose of driving on paved roads. The New York court determined that the two claims are not identical, and that the jury's finding of no product defect was reconcilable with its finding of a breach of warranty. What about a product which causes an adverse reaction in a small group of purchasers, such as an aftershave that causes an allergic skin reaction in 10% of those who use it, or milk that causes an upset stomach to those who are lactose intolerant? The implied warranty will not be breached if only a small number of people relative to the total number of persons using the product suffer an allergic reaction. With regards to the milk issue, a factor to consider is that milk is a natural product if there is not anything added by the manufacturer which causes the reaction. And moving to implied warranty of fitness for a particular purpose. UCC Section 2-315 provides that certain circumstances may give rise by operation of law to a warranty that a good is fit for a particular purpose. Unlike the warranty of merchantability, which applies only to sellers of goods of the kind involved, the warranty of fitness for a particular purpose can arise whether the seller is a merchant or a non-merchant. A particular purpose envisions a specific use 
by the buyer which is peculiar and not the ordinary purpose for which the goods are used. For example, shoes are generally used for walking on ordinary ground, but a seller may know that a particular pair is selected for climbing mountains. The test is whether the seller should have known of the particular purpose, not whether the seller actually knew of the particular purpose. The buyer must, in fact, rely upon the seller's skill or judgment, and the breach of the implied warranty of fitness for a particular purpose occurs at the time of sale. Thanks, everybody. That's all I'd like to talk about in this lecture. Take care.